selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Six years ago, I started the show as a podcast about a podcast. My guest today took a similar path. Katie and Kimberly set out in 2017 to create a weekly podcast where they discuss and break down episodes of Dateline NBC. And now, nearly four years later, they have climbed the iTunes charts, left their full-time careers behind, and now make their living with their A Date with Dateline podcast. Each episode comes complete with case details, a critique of the production, and a bit of snark and humor sprinkled in throughout. Now, while we are discussing a serious and tragic case today, Katie, Kimberly, and I do manage to have a little fun along the way. So be forewarned, this episode will not be the most serious episode we've produced this season. So if mixing in a little bit of humor while still discussing a true crime case is not your cup of tea, you might want to skip this one. For the rest of you, I think we get into a lot of interesting information, and you're going to have a little fun throughout the journey. Brian Ryan was a young veterinarian who moved to the small Montana town of Geraldine in 1996 to open his own private practice. Tragically, on July 14th of that year, Brian was found dead in his home. Police initially determined his death to be a suicide causing them to make some critical errors in the first hours of the investigation. As it turns out, Brian was most certainly murdered. To this day, justice has never been served in his case. This is Season 9, Episode 19, The Case of The Murder of Brian Ryan.
Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Say goodbye to the dish and hello to Skystream, the new way to get Sky over Wi-Fi. So you can get unmissable Sky shows like The Last of Us and Succession, as well as Netflix and Discovery Plus, and loads more, all in one subscription for £26 a month. Oh, and next day delivery with no upfront fee. Skystream, TV simplified. Head to sky.com. Requires Skystream and broadband minimum speed, 10 megabits per second, 18 month minimum term. Cut off times apply for next day delivery. Excludes bank holiday, 18 plus terms apply. How are you ladies doing? We're nervous, I think. Nervous? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that you were Bob Ruff, but yeah. um, you're Bob Ruff, <laughs> and this is truth of justice. So, so it's big time. We have met. There's that. I met you guys when I was in L.A. I was actually filming my TV show, and we did a fan meet up there, and we had Jim Clemente and Laura Richards and Lisa Zambetti were there. And Liz Rose came, and that's when I got to meet both of you when you were both living on the West Coast. Yeah, Liz invited us. We covered the case. Dateline did an episode called Unspeakable about Sandra Melgar, and we right away just felt something was very wrong and talked about it on the show. And then Liz happened to listen to the podcast, reached out to us, said, I'd love to talk to you guys. You're funny. Let's be friends. And she came (laughs) on our show, and then we just became friends with her. So she invited us, and we were very excited. Katie was super starstruck, at, especially at Jim Clemente. Oh, no, at both, at, Bo- at Barbara. At both, at Bob <laughs> as well. At Jim Clemente. I was sweaty hands. It was, I almost didn't go in. I feel like Kimberly had to give me a pep talk. I was like, it's, it's fine. I'll just stand in the back. It's fine. You played it off very well. I was overwhelmed by the fact that you were taller than me, and I don't come across that very often. <laughs> Uh, so I, I myself was oh oh good one thing I got one thing just a, I'm a giant I can use that to my advantage but it was a lot because I was listening to both you and he just regularly so it was mm-hmm. it's also that surreal experience of meeting people that you hear all the time when you're in your car it was it was a lot that's why we didn't show our faces for the first year yeah or for two. a long time um for a long time, we never showed our faces ever, ever, because we just didn't want pe- I didn't want people to be disappointed. You picture something in your head and then you see them and you're like, oh, Bob, you did people. it right from the beginning because it's actually your face like sitting with the arms well, in your sort of artwork. And I was like, that's the way to do right. it because then everyone knows exactly who they're listening to. It's great. It's perfect. Well, two things. One, uh, that picture is now going on five years old. And about 30 pounds ago, so I will <laughs> never, ever be updating no. it, ever. Uh, but I, actually, what's funny about that was I had, for the first uh, year, nine months or so of the podcast, when it was the Serial Dynasty, I had another logo. Oh. And when I put that logo out that actually had me on it, I was flooded with all these comments. And the most, and everybody's like, you don't look like I thought you looked. And the most common response that I got was, I always thought that you were an older, an aging, overweight, bald man. 
apparently oh, so is what you my have voice it right. portrait. <laughs> That's amazing. So they're pleasantly surprised when they see. Yeah. Yeah, I was I didn't know whether to be to be like insulted or feel complimented by that, but the fact that my voice sounds like, you know, their grandfather's voice. I think it's that means it's comforting and that you're more good looking than they thought. So just take it as a win, Bob. Don't overanalyze it. Yeah. Well, this is fantastic. I think we should talk more about some other great things about me. Yes. Uh, as part of this episode <laughs> today. This is going swimmingly. Your podcast is excellent. Top of the top. <laughs> Love it. We recommend Been a fan it to everyone. Since day one. Um, yeah. Uh, so, but you guys came, so you said you went a while without, without showing your yeah. faces. And I do remember that you referred to Liz affectionately as Fizz on your, yes. your podcast episode. But then you guys kind of busted out into the space and you're kind of like, like, like the rock stars. You have lines of people wanting to take pictures with you at CrimeCon now. Oh, no, that's, that's false. That's, that's absolutely <laughs> false. I appreciate that. But I think that's also that fact that we didn't show what we looked like. So taking a picture with us is, was kind of like taking a picture with Loch, Loch Ness Monster because it's like, oh, this is actually them. And then you see people online being like, no, that's not them. Yeah, it is. But yeah, it, that kind of worked in our favor to create that mystery. Um, I don't know how much that was based on our content, more the mystery of who we were. It worked. Yeah. And then we blew it. We released our photo now and now over. it's over. Yeah. <laughs> now we do a live stream and there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you you guys are doing great. And you now, um, are you guys doing this? professionally now where this is your like your career is it just a side job or or what has your transition been in the last couple of years of doing the podcast the first year was our money into the podcast no money no ads no patreon nothing side mm-hmm. job completely and then we started our patreon and that has been really great and then we started eventually getting ads maybe the second or third year and now it's one of a few jobs we have, but it's a definitely our main job. But we both have other things that we do for side income. It's as more well. side projects that we'll take on, but mainly this is the job. Like I remember when you, because I'm sorry, Bob, if I'm remembering this wrong, but were you a fire captain, a f- fire, fire chief? chief. Okay, Thank you very much. But I remember, jeez, sorry, captain. oh lord, I don't know God. the ranking system. <laughs> I should have. This I should have given over. that a bang. I didn't know. Okay. So, um, <laughs> wait a minute. But I remember distinctly when you stopped doing that and then did podcast full time. That happened like, I remember when that happened. I remember thinking that's the dream. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing to be able to sort of transition into doing this thing that you really loved full time. And now Kimberly and I are kind of able to do that. And it is kind of a dream. It's really great to be able to speak with my best friend about true crime every week it's a good gig if you can get it it's really yeah talk to me a little bit about and i'll I'll start with kimberly what did you do for a living before you were a professional true crime podcaster um for 12 years i was a assistant in hollywood to a film director a film and tv director creator his name was gary marshall and um he created Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days and directed oh, wow. Pretty Woman and Princess Diaries. And he's huge, was big. And I was lucky enough to be an assistant for him. And when he passed away, I was just unemployed 
for a while. And we started the podcast maybe right at the tail end of when I was leaving that job, I think. So yeah. did you have any transition yeah. jobs or was it that and then and then scraping by until the podcast took off? Yeah, I've had um, a couple side jobs. He owns a he owned built a theater, a stage theater. So I always kind of worked for them as well. And uh, it's now called the Gary Marshall Theater. It was called the Falcon Theater in Burbank. And I also have always, since 2007, maybe, have had an Etsy shop with my inappropriate cross stitches that have the F word and things like that on them. Um, And so I've always had that as kind of a side gig. It doesn't make a lot of money, but it's definitely helps pay the bills as like a little extra income. And then I would take on whatever anyone needed me to do, script reading, typing up things, anything like that, secretarial type work. So where do people find your Etsy shop if they want to buy some of your inappropriate cross stitches? Uh, It's called Stitches Be Crazy, crazies with a K, and it's on Etsy and it's fun, but beware it's inappropriate. Give me an example. Give me an example of some phraseology on one of your cross stitches, you know, so people know what to expect. Yeah. Calm your tits. Um, ha- you know, Merry fucking Christmas. Can I say these words? This is shocking to Katie no, and to me. No, we don't cuss on our show. There's no swearing in the show, and Mike's gonna have to bleep all that out. Thanks so much. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Uh. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Can I say the D A N? I was word joking. N? You can say whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> we don't cuss at all on our show, like at all. So this is. It feels weird. It feels like I'm going to get in trouble. Like my mom is going to walk in the room or something. <laughs> let, me, let me talk about that choice for a minute. So so I have on many occasions had people upset with me because I have used, you know, one of those four letter words that upset people on, on several occasions. Everyone, somebody will write me and be like, you know, I, I like to listen to this with my kid. And you said the F word and you should at least give a warning before my kids listen. And I think that the good warning should be I'm talking about there we murder. Go. Murder. Not appropriate for children. Is there really a family-friendly murder show? Is there? <laughs> right. Mm. Exactly. So why did you guys choose to to not... Obviously, you're you're familiar with swearing. I've heard you say some horrible words on the show here just a minute ago. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> make a living selling, stitching them onto uh, cross-stitches and selling them. So why did you decide not to swear on Date with Dateline? Why did we? I think it was... I think we didn't want to put a mature rating on it and limit our viewership since we were just starting out and we had maybe 100 people listening. We didn't want to lower that to maybe 90 if there were 10 people that would be offended by swearing. And then it just sort of became a thing that people kind of liked and we would get messages saying, I appreciate that you don't swear because I can listen to it with my Kids in the car. The the youngest I've heard is maybe eight years old that they're listening, (laughs) which still seems weird because sometimes the Dateline plots get pretty salacious. So there's definitely SEX happening. And so we might not be cussing, but there's other stuff happening that's inappropriate. Yeah, we had a lot of moms. And so we just sort of thought, okay. And honestly, both of us just don't cuss a lot in normal conversation. But it's so nice to be able to punctuate Sometimes. something with a good old yeah. fashioned F-U-C-K and right. we just can't. So we have to come, you know, we come up with different words. So we call like certain guys that are gross teenage <laughs> dirt bags. We call them bags of wieners. And, <laughs> um, you know, so like we just try to p- play around with it so that it's kind of yeah. safe. 
<laughs> gotcha. I'm, I'm still looking for a good word for the bitch. Yeah, we haven't word. found that yet. I haven't found <laughs> a good solution for I, that. I hate I hate to bring this up, but um, I believe that a large percentage of our audience does in fact know how to spell. And now you. <laughs> that. That's unfortunate because <laughs> right is too. But I know I know you would think listening to a guy like me that they don't spell, but a lot of them do. <laughs> so. Katie, uh, what did you do before you were a podcaster extraordinary? Oh, I was a stylist for clothing, not hair. A clothing mm-hmm. stylist. Which, that what sounds a like a sort of glamorous do? job. It's not that glamorous. Um, you go to photo shoots and you tell people what to wear and argue with them about why it's the appropriate thing for them to wear. That's a lot of that. Um, and then uh, that sort of led to other jobs, which I worked for an auction house for a while, where we would auction off a TV and movie memorabilia that's kind of the job that i was that i was doing mainly but i got that through being a stylist because they would do these photo shoots of all the you know wardrobe from a certain show from the new girl Mm -hmm. or like you know big shows so when the show goes off the air they would auction off the the stuff from the show the memorabilia the stuff that was on set and so i came in as a stylist for them and then stayed because i was actually kind of good at the other parts and so then i was you know, heading up the auctions in a different way. And that was, it was interesting to get to see all this stuff. That was really fun. If you like TV, it's a fun job because I got to look at a lot of neat, I got to see the whole set from The Office, which was really fun. Um, yeah, oh, cool. that was, it's neat. And then you, you know, you love those shows. Uh, one of the other shows I got to work on was Veep from HBO and I love Veep. So it was, it was great. It was really fun. And she hired me. I totally forgot. That was one of my oh, yeah. side jobs. I hired I would, Kimberly to write. I would type the descriptions for the items. Like, this cup was on Dwight's desk when he pranked Jim in episode 15 and would try to make it funny. Yeah, it was fun. So That's yeah. so awesome. Especially you keep using that example. And I love, still love the I office. know, right? Oh, yeah. my goodness. And the thing, the you would be amazed some of the prices those things went for. Just a stapler. It was a normal stapler, but it sat on Stanley's desk. And so everybody wanted it. It was pretty fun to watch that auction happen, for sure. It was neat. So the the auction thing is cool. And and so when you were a stylist, you were a stylist in L.A. for like... And I say stylist. I worked wardrobe on some... Not any movies that you would have seen. You know, I wasn't a big time, lower Lower budget budget sort of wardrobe stylist. So I would do some photography, some fashion, and then I worked on set. But um, I am not... Whereas Kimberly is great on set, so Kimberly could go to a film or a TV set, and she was really she loved it, right? Kimberly, you liked it, right? Yeah, I, oh, yeah. it was not mm-hmm. for me. I have like an attention problem, so sitting around and a lot of what you're doing on film and TV sets is you're waiting, and so for someone like me that likes to be busy, that is a nightmare scape because you're just waiting right. all the time, and so there's only so many times you can lint roll a sweater. They're just there's a there's right. a limit, believe it or not. And so not if you take pride in your work, Katie. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thank you, Mom. I appreciate that. <laughs> so you mentioned you work, you make a podcast with your best friend. Like, how did you guys meet and how long have you been the best friends? We can't reveal that because that would reveal uh, our age. But it has been over 10 years and closer to double that. I'm going to be cryptic about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, so it's double, double, so if double audience, 10 years. Do they your, do math? Can your audience do math as well as spelling? No, uh, surprisingly, great at spelling, terrible great. addition. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And multiplication is completely off the table. Okay, good. It's been four times 
five years. Um, at, <laughs> we met in college. So it was, um, it's been, we've been best friends ever since. And I wanted to do, Kimberly is an amazing storyteller. If anyone has listened to our podcast, you'll know she's really good. And it was time to put those talents to use for the world to hear how good she is at telling an episode of something. So tell, tell me that process. At some point, I, this is, I'm, I'm always so curious when, you know, two people, friends or mm-hmm. whatever, coworkers decide I'm going to make a true crime podcast. And like, how, how did that happen? What was the conversation? How did you land on, you know, covering Dateline episodes? Whose idea was it? Tell me this whole story in three minutes sure. or less. Um, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was my idea because Kimberly, like I said, uh, many a times had on a road trip or just in a conversation conveyed an entire episode of something to me. There was a time in particular, she told me an entire lifetime movie from beginning to end. And I like listening (laughs) to Kimberly tell me a movie as much as I like watching a movie, because I feel like I'm watching it when she's telling it. And so it was just I listened to a lot of true crime podcasts, maybe yours, yes, yours, and a few others um, (laughs) religiously. And I thought I would really love to do this. I was doing a lot of voiceover type stuff at the time. And so I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. would be what a great combination because I had a mic and I had some stuff. Um, and I thought Dateline, nobody was nobody had touched Dateline, honestly. And Kimberly loves mm-hmm. Dateline. I knew Kimberly loved Dateline. And so like I'd seen pretty much every right. episode in the and had told me years. some. So I it was sort of a natural thing. And then I just kind of had to talk her into it. It wasn't that hard. I feel like it wasn't that hard to talk you into it. You didn't think it would you just thought I, I was, it was one of my ideas. I have a lot of ideas. And she was like, okay, well, just yeah. do this for a month and keep Katie happy. And That's then yeah. it turned out to be really fun, right? Right? Yeah, I didn't think, <laughs> yes. I didn't think anyone would listen. But I, but I knew people okay. would because Something I loved it. And there's going to be people like me out there that would, that like to hear a story. So it's great. It's good. Honestly, I didn't think I would listen. Ha. Huh. And then, you know, it just. It, Thanks, Bob. Right. But I do. Uh, but, you know, because it was it was it, I just think, oh, you know, it's right. these two women that are breaking down a Dateline episode. Not for me. I've listened. I listened to the first time when same as Liz did when you covered the mm-hmm. Melgar case. And then and so you've been in my feed ever since then. And when I see something come up that looks like, oh, that's an interesting case I'll listen to. And then, of course, the one we're going to talk about today, I listen to. So. I pop in from time to time and I do enjoy you guys have a great chemistry together and you do a really good job on your production. Uh, So I enjoy it, despite the fact that I didn't think that I would. Thank you. That means a lot. I'm getting a tear. Backhanded comment. compliment there. (laughs) No, I like it. We'll take it. We'll take it. No, but I I do enjoy it. It's it's an interesting format. It's interesting that no one had taken on Dateline before, you know, with all the podcasts out there. That was the and big with how one. popular Dateline is. I mean, Dateline has a crazy community of obsessed Dateline fans. It trends on Twitter every Friday night. These people that have become kind of a Dateline family, and they embraced us and became part of our family. And it's this. It's really. I mean, you know from your show that you're legions of listeners. That yeah. it's funny that true crime brings people together in that way, but it really does. And Dateline has. These fans, these really loyal fans. So we're lucky that they accepted us. Yeah. But it's surprising that no one had done it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
All right, ladies, enough small talk. We have a we have a case, a true crime case that was covered on Dateline that we're going to cover. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And I think that the best way to go into the break is, would be for Kimberly to tell our listeners that we're going into it. We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about the case. But use some swears when you do it. <gasps> Jesus. Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all you listeners. Uh, don't press the f- fast forward. Listen to those bomb ads and come back because we've got a kick crazy b- episode to talk about with twists and turns that will make you sh- your pants. What's happening? The ever. I'm sweating a little. Bob's crying, I think. Kimberly. <laughs> I'm so horrified at myself right now. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right. So, Katie and Kimberly. You guys on your podcast every week break down an episode of Dateline, and you're not always just working on the current one. Sometimes you go you go back in time and dig into the archives. So tell us a little bit about the case that we're going to be discussing today. Well, I was we were both nervous about deciding on a case. I asked Liz slash Fizz what she thought. <laughs> I gave her a couple options. She said, "Oh, Bob's really funny. He'll love something super salacious." And then I asked you, and you said, "Oh, I love the super salacious." And then you said. Well, maybe for truth and justice, we'll do the little bit more of a mystery. We don't quite know who the killer is, and we'll save the super salacious for something else. For true crime so, bins later, right. For tr- yes. 
So this episode is called Mystery in Big Sky Country. And what's great about Dateline is I think why a lot of people listen to it is the there's a comfort from getting closure at the end when the killer is caught, the bad guy's caught, and the family gets justice. But sometimes they do these episodes where it just doesn't end up like that, and we're not quite sure what happened. And we're hoping you can help us figure everything out. Yes, please. And so that's kind of why we picked this one. Oh, that's my job is to figure yeah. the case oh, out. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, it For completely sure. is. Yeah, this is being squarely mm-hmm. placed on your shoulders. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I do have some thoughts. I mean, it was, it was super interesting. I listened to your guys' episode on the, your Big Sky episode first. And then I went and actually watched, um, which you can stream, because this is a 2016 episode, right? Yeah. It was It was like four years old. Yes, yes. But we aired it in May or March of this past yeah. year. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and you can go on uh, Dateline's website and stream, which I which I did, and and of course listen to your episode on it. It is a, it is a really intriguing case, and I have to be honest, I am. Uh, you guys are gonna hate no. this. I am. I am. I am more of a 2020 guy myself, but that's not that's my fine. Fa- 2020. No, that's ha- fine. They invited. You're saying that's fine, and Kim- and Katie's giving me dirty looks. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> but- I'm thinking about something else. No. <laughs> <laughs> they they invited me on their show, so that's that's the reason I'm more oh, of a 2020 person. That makes sense. But because of that, so you guys, because you're doing this case and I wanted to do some research for the episode, I watched this two-hour Dateline special, and it's, it, it is very different from 2020, mm-hmm. and, but it was really enjoyable, uh, the, the, the storytelling that, that goes on in those Dateline episodes is, is really good. And, I was in, and Keith Morrison, as an interviewer, is is the best because he comes across as this like, you know, the, this, this suit and tie, you know, old school journalist, but then, but then fires back at the people that he's interviewing all the, with like smart ass comments all the time mm-hmm. when they're being, when they're being ridiculous, you get a lot of, Oh, come on. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. And, and I may start watching Dateline more. Hey, we, you'll love all four of the hosts. Now they have Natalie Morales. So there's going to be five, but we, are obsessed with each host. They each have their own vibe and they mm-hmm. each have these quotes that are amazing. Um, Keith Morrison once said, um, the doctor's emotion seemed, how to put it, disconnected from his tear ducts. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Sir Mankey with the hanky, Josh Mankiewicz. He's come on our show a few times. Uh-huh. He's incredible. And he has this smirk that he gives when they're kill- the killer's giving him BS mm-hmm. and he just isn't going to take it. They're incredible. Andrea Canning, Dennis Murphy, so, so good. Each one brings their own kind of personality to it and their own storytelling thing to kind it. Kind of their own flavor. Yes. Yes. Well, Keith does a great job yeah. in this one. So give us kind of the basic beats of this case, because it is, I mean, aside from us, we've been joking around a lot and having a good time. Um, but really, this is a very interesting case, and it is still technically an unsolved case. Uh, and I'm curious if anything's been done with it since this ep- this episode airs. But give us the, the basics of the case. Okay, so I wrote it out so because it was confusing. So I'm going to read it. Okay. Bear with me. Okay. In 1996, in Montana, this is the story of a hot young veterinarian living in a small town, a la Ted from Schitt's Creek. His name is Brian Rhine. One week, Brian goes out of town for a veterinary conference. He comes back on a Friday night. No one hears from him on Saturday. And on Sunday, he's found dead, shot in his home. Unfortunately, the person that finds him thinks that it's a suicide. So the crime scene is basically destroyed. The blood is literally wiped up with towels by super helpful cops. There's two suspects. 
The main suspect is Tom Jaraseski, the ex-boyfriend of Anne, the girl Brian had started dating. He had been stalking Anne and Brian, basically kidnapped Anne, broke into Anne's house and read her diary, broke into Brian's house looking for Anne, but neither Anne nor Brian report him to the police and ignore these giant crimson red flags. After a year and a half, Tom is arrested for Brian's murder, but ultimately never charged because, and I swear to you that this is real, an evidence-sniffing dog named Calamity Jane's certification papers blew away off the roof of her handler's car, which only happens on Dateline. Cut to 18 years after the murder, when a new investigator takes over the case and arrests Tom again, still with no physical evidence, just circumstantial evidence. Here's where it gets trickier. The autopsy never lists a time of death or even a window of death. So the prosecutors think that Tom killed Brian on Friday night, mostly because they think it was Tom and Tom has an alibi for Saturday. But there's also a second suspect who has an alibi for Friday night, but not Saturday. So maybe Brian was killed on Saturday by the other guy. The second suspect is Brian's very troubled friend, Larry Hagenbush, who had tried to kill himself a month before the murder using animal drugs that he got from Brian. So maybe he came back for more pills. Brian said no. Larry grabbed Brian's gun and there was a struggle. Larry knew things about the crime scene that he shouldn't have known and was telling people all over town these things. And Tom's defense team tries to convince the jury that Brian was killed on Saturday by Larry, not Friday by Tom. There's a theory involving dog poop. There's the steak and eggs in Brian's stomach. There's also the water shoes moment, which Dateline doesn't emphasize, but which Katie and I believed solved the whole case. Hashtag water shoes are bigger than Watergate. Hashtag water shoes watershed moment. Brian was wearing water shoes when he was killed. So when was he going fishing? At night on Friday or on Saturday, which would point to Larry, not Tom. The jury finds Tom not guilty. The defense tells the jury, your instinct will be to try to make this case make sense and to solve it, but it cannot be solved. And the judge tells the jury, if you believe in heaven, when you get there, ask Brian who killed him because that's the only way we're going to know. So Katie and I figured, screw the judge and the defense. Bob Ruff can solve this case. Bob, go. <laughs> Take it away. Okay, uh, I've got it all worked out right here. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, no, a few things. Uh, number one, um, congratulations. I think you're the first person to ever read a script on the podcast. Um, Sorry. That was very good. So- that was very, very good. It was well written. It took me a minute to figure if you're reading like the Dateline like, like no, release on it. Or, or if you wrote it, and then I could tell you wrote it. And then I wondered, did you write, and here's the tricky part, or did that just come to you naturally in the reading? <laughs> I think that came to me naturally <laughs> in the reading. That was a nice ad lib. It, it flowed right in. Okay, with the thank you. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So so basically, you've got this this, uh, and I love the Shit's Creek reference. Huge fan. Oh yeah, so um, good. Basically, this is Ted from Shit's Creek, the handsome new dentist, and this is a tiny town, isn't there? Like like three hundred people yes. in this town. Like two sixty yeah. or something crazy. Yeah. So it's this little bitty town. The good-looking uh, veterinarian comes in. He gets the attention of Anne, who has a boyfriend, live-in boyfriend Tom. Um, so, so you've got this kind of love triangle going going on. And then, as as far as the murder goes, I want to talk a little bit about you know everybody kind of really gave the cops a hard time, but I totally get it. So it's a town of two hundred and sixty people. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, they haven't had a homicide there ever or been years and years since anybody had been killed in that town. Mm -hmm. And so the original caller says, you know, uh, uh, Brian committed suicide. They seem laying there and, and reasonable assumption, lots of blood and the guns laying right next to his hand. So they assume it's suicide. And the cops come in and and they do a horrible thing for the investigation. They clean the entire crime scene without collecting any evidence. They only take, what, a dozen pictures? Yeah. Twelve pictures. Yeah. Yeah. This is the worst thing ever. It's like the, any investigator's worst nightmare. But I can totally see, uh, you know, why they would do it. I, I've actually dealt with I've been to crime scenes where uh, where there have been completed suicides in smaller towns and, and seen just this where. You know, because these families are oftentimes either left cleaning that up themselves or mm -hmm. spending a ton of money for these contracted services that come in that kind of tend to sometimes prey on mm. these people and come in and do the cleanup for them. Um, and so I have definitely I, I have seen and been a part of, you know, trying to help clean some things up for the family. So it, it's it seems like, you know, it's almost Mayberry, right? These guys are just right. trying mm -hmm. to help. But Brian was shot twice in the arm and once in the right. chest. So no one commits suicide by testing out the gun on their arm first right. and then shooting themselves in the right. chest, right? Especially, especially not twice, right? Yeah. Which makes which makes me wonder, like, I I wonder how much like investigative work they did, or are they just like, oh, obviously a suicide, and they put him in a body bag and ship him out of there without even looking, or if a coroner was there to start in examining the body or when the cleanup started. It just because yeah, if they if they looked at the injuries, um, they they had to. They had to know this was obvi very obviously wasn't wasn't a suicide, right? But but I, but I'll give them a mild pass for being okay. you know trying to help the family. Mm -hmm. It's a horrible thing for them to have to deal with. But yeah, then this this whole the uh, the water shoes. You said Kimberly that he was wearing water shoes. Yes, but he was actually one wearing shoe. one shoe. Ah, water shoe. Correct. Ah, water shoe. Which I think is a huge ah, deal. Second. Water shoe was on the front porch. That it's only one near drops of blood. Right. Yeah. So there's so obviously you know in breaking down the crime scene, I haven't seen crime scene photos or anything, but you know other than just what you saw flash on the screen on, on Dateline. But yeah. So obviously the, the 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 confrontation starts on the porch. He he's out of a shoe, and you guys had some interesting theories about the shoe. Yes. Well, we don't know a lot about fishing, but it seemed odd to us that at 1040 at night, which was when they think he was maybe killed on Friday night because he was on the phone with Anne and he had to get off the phone really quickly. It seemed odd to do night fishing like that. Um, I don't know if people do night fishing. But they probably do. Um, but he had just come back from an out of town conference. It seemed very strange. He was going to go night fishing. We thought the shoes more indicated that it was on Saturday that he was killed. That he was either coming back from a tr from fishing, so he was coming in the door from fishing or leaving to go fishing. But one of the two, it seemed like it was more likely a Saturday event. And Dateline didn't cover it at all. They barely mentioned the shoes. And in the trial, we don't see them mention the shoes either. I wish they had dug more into his victimology. You know, they tell the story about the kind of the love triangle. Then you got the friend Larry who had, who had tried to commit suicide prior to with some medicine he got from, mm -hmm. which they don't say how he got mm -hmm. it from. You know, that's also that was, big information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did he steal it from Brian? Did Brian give or it did to Brian him? Or did Brian give exactly. it to him? Did Brian sell it to him? There's a lot of things that play into his victimology. Mm -hmm. But even like the water shoes, I'm a fisherman. I've never, I haven't worn water shoes since I'm six. 
And it was because, you know, if, if the water shoes are what I'm thinking about, which the rubber bottom and the mesh yes. top that you wear, mm-hmm. you know, like a water park so you don't scrape up the bottom of your feet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and what time of year was this? So it was August. It was summer. Sorry, July. July. So it's possible that the sun was going down later and maybe he went out at 8 o'clock, but it would still be totally dark at 1030. But the water shoes tell us what kind of terrain he's going on, right? Is he going rock to rock? That would be the reason he's wearing. So he's going into the stream rock to rock, but he's not wearing waders. We're in Montana, so he's not fly fishing. So it's going to be something that like, where is the area that he'd be needing water shoes because it's rocky? So he's, you know. Did you say he wouldn't be fly fishing because it's Montana? No, no, because he's not in waders. He was just oh, in water shoes. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm. What, that's what I'm wondering is. I mean, normally, like if I go fly fishing, I'm wearing waders. But certainly, mm-hmm. I've been out where it's like, you know, really hot and nice out, and I don't want to wear uncomfortable waders, and I might wear like just like creek shoes or something. Water shoes. Just to. Yeah, yeah, they're a little more high tech. The stuff that I wear, I'm kind of a big Elf, deal. I they know. are, of course. I call them creek, I call them creek shoes. Uh, they're not like <laughs> the water shoes I had as a small child, uh, but. That's a perfect segue for your ad sponsored by. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to mention. Water also, isn't it called Crick? I think it's a Crick, isn't it? <laughs> right. no. Okay, that's <laughs> different. That's a different thing. Got it. I should have brought this up in the first segment, but I also love your ads. And I was going to ask you guys, you always, whenever you guys read ads, you always tie them into what you're talking about. So do you record those in real time during your recording sessions? Yes. Yeah. I take a lot of time to write them into my recaps. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, it's a nightmare if we have to go back and add them in. It is. Because then I have to mm-hmm. remember what the episode was about, and we have to find a perfect segue spot. It doesn't go well. So, it's yeah. It's very we impressive. The- it makes more sense because we do ours differently. We do Monday's ad day. We record our ads, and then we plug them in later, and we could never pull off what you guys pull off. Because half the time, I don't even realize it is an ad. And you're like, and speaking of water shoes... <laughs> You know, or whatever. I fully <laughs> copy that from Kevin Flynn um, from These Are Their Stories, their Law and Order podcast, Rebecca Lavoie and Kevin Flynn. I totally copy right, it right, from right. them. Yeah. It works. So I give him full credit. Uh, it's very well done. And Thank back to you. the case. Uh, yeah, the, the water <laughs> shoes thing. I don't know. There's a lot of things that, you know, like I said, me as an avid fisherman that would be like what kind of fishing because they said there's a fishing rod out there. Well, what was it? Was it a fly rod? If it's a fly exactly. rod, very unlikely that he's going to be fishing at night. If it's uh, a big spinning rod that has a two ounce weight on it, then he likely is fishing at night because he's probably fishing for something like catfish or something where you do go out at night and fish that way. So the tackle, the rod, um, any friends of his that know, you know, what his fishing habits were might be able to answer that. The fact that he came like, I don't know if during the struggle, if he came out of the water shoe, the one. Which is interesting because they're, if I remember, they're pretty snug fit. They're kind of designed to be. Yes. You know, how, or was he like, I think you guys had mentioned on the show, maybe he was in the process of either putting them on or taking them off, mm-hmm. which the front, I would lean towards taking them off because the front porch would be a very, you know, obvious place to take your water shoes off because they're wet and you don't want to come into the house with them. As opposed mm-hmm. to if you're, you know, once they're dry, you would store them, I would think, inside. And maybe mm-hmm. put them on inside. So I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They, they, I, I think they are in the. And if you didn't catch during the reading there earlier, uh, the, the big it's a big it's very important if we know whether or not Brian died on Friday night or if he died on Saturday. And there's in the, the problem we have is, you know, you have to call to Ann Friday night. He has to get off in a hurry mm-hmm. and then nobody hears from him all weekend. And then his body's found on Sunday. So if he died, uh, if he was killed on Friday night. If I remember this correctly, if he's killed on Friday night, 
Tom doesn't have an alibi, but Larry has an alibi. Correct. And if he's killed yes. on Saturday night, Larry doesn't have an alibi, but Tom has an alibi. Yes. There's also nothing stating he died at night. He could have died Saturday right. in the middle of the day, so he could have very easily not talked to anybody Friday night, gone to bed, gotten up Saturday morning, gone fishing, come back. And that's when he was killed. Sometimes Saturday midday is when he was right. killed and then found on Sunday, which to, to me at least, I think to Kimberly as well, makes the most sense because of the other evidence that we have, which is do the dog. There's a dog situation mm -hmm. with a dog going to the bathroom inside the house and then the contents of his stomach. So those seem to be, to us, the three main things seem to be the dog, the contents of the stomach, and what he's wearing, which are these water shoes, which pretty clearly indicate that he is either going to or coming back, probably coming back from fishing. Right, which would yeah indicate it could be you know pushed more towards Saturday. Saturday. I'm a little dumbfounded that the Emmy wasn't able to. This is one of the, this is what happens to me. This is why I don't do a lot of true crime stuff. You get frustrated. Well, I you know I do full deep dive investigation, so I'm like, well, where's the fucking autopsy what was the lividity set at what was his where was his rigor yeah. was it still still yeah. forming was it breaking down right what were the you know the, the amount of stomach contacts when did, he, when did he eat last certainly plays into that but you might be, not be able to put a time on it but certainly a day on it you know unless mm -hmm. you know because there's a, there, it takes a certain period of time for lividity to fully fix so like, right if it's not fully fixed when they find him on sunday morning then you would think oh well then he probably didn't die friday because right. it would have been, you know, or where was the rigor at? So, like, I want to know. I have all these questions every time I watch one of these or listen to one of these. But, but so then we're left with these weird circumstantial things like the dog poop. Uh, ex explain, explain, Katie, your issue with the dog poop. Oh, the issue. Or lack thereof dog poop. Well, you had a dog, Cody, that was in his, the bunkhouse where he lived, what they called it. And the dog was trapped inside the, until the body was found. So, the dog, there was no dog urine or no dog feces in, we're told there was none in the actual house. So that would mean that the dog would be let, had been let out at some point to use the restroom. And there's on no planet is a dog holding, you know, holding that stuff from Friday night until Sunday morning. That's an entire, what is that? That's more than, that's 36 hours. That's not happening, right? Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, the family says they're, they're sure the dog could have found its way out. And then I got his way Katie back in? Argued, yeah, he's probably not coming back in. Right. And the so dog was in when the body out. was found. Yeah, I I definitely don't buy the snuck out, snuck back in. The yeah. holding it thing. There's the, the two issues that I have with that is one, the fact that you 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 seem to have Barney Fife cleaning up the crime scene. So who knows? Correct. If they cleaned it up, if they Correct. cleaned up something up, or if they didn't document, or if they didn't notice it. And the other thing is, I don't know how long it's ever been pushed, but I can. I have German shepherds. Oh, and and they will not go to the bathroom in the house. They would rather die. Then go to the bathroom in my house, and oh. so they like. There's definitely been now. Now where we live now, we actually have a dog door and an invisible fence. They can come and go whenever they want to. But there have definitely been times at our at our old house where we had to let them out, and it was like we let them out, and then they came inside, and then we left in the early afternoon to meet somebody for lunch that turned into dinner, and then drinks, and then mm-hmm. and then maybe you have a couple too many and end up crashing on a couch, you know, at a buddy, buddy's mm-hmm. couch or something, mm-hmm. and don't get back, you know, it's like you didn't intend to leave them in, and then so we, we've we've definitely have left the house at noon, you know, not planning to be gone that long, and not got back until the next day, almost 24 hours, and, and nothing. no, 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 no poop or pee in the house, but the other thing that our dogs it do is It sort of depends on the dog, thing. we don't really know, it's- yeah. Some dogs can't, we don't know how well-trained Cody was or how. Sure. And also German Shepherds are smart dogs. And so like my dogs, when we leave, they don't eat or drink pretty much when we're gone. They'll, they can have a full mm. bowl of food and it will sit there until we get back. Really? And it's like they, in, in my, I think dogs are people. And so in my mind, yes, they yes. think, well, if I eat, then I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. And so I'm not going to eat until I know I can go to the bathroom. Right. Because wow. I don't want to get my little nose rubbed in it. <laughs> I love German That's how I talk to my dogs. I love German <laughs> I would love to see that. Pretty dogs. <laughs> the <laughs> other dogs. thing is, if he was killed on sat on Saturday, that would still have the dog would still have to hold it for a full twenty four hours. Right. Over twenty four. That's if that's because he would have been gone the conference. Maybe he would have let the dog out when he came home from the conference. We know he was home at ten fifteen. At ten fifteen, so it would have been held from ten fifteen until Sunday. No, Friday if he was night. killed on Saturday, if he was killed on Saturday, oh, I'm saying sorry. it would. St- he'd still have to hold he it. He'd still have to hold 24 it for twenty four hours. hours. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Which again, he could probably do if he's a well trained dog, and a bigger, bigger dogs can hold it for a lot yeah. longer than smaller dogs. Yeah. 
But the other thing is the steak and the eggs yeah. issue in the stomach. Yeah. And that's yeah, harder that. for me to wrap my r- mind around. Um, so he was seen on Friday night at seven having dinner at a restaurant eating steak. There was no steak in his stomach. So if he was killed at 1040, there would be steak in his stomach, presumably. But there was um, other things. In there his was stomach. eggs and peppers and tomatoes, and there were eggshells in his kitchen trash. So you would think, okay, he made breakfast for himself on Saturday before he died. Although his sister says he would stay up really late working and would make eggs at night sometimes. Sometimes. But but then there would be steak in his stomach as well as the eggs, would there not? Right. So and would you time, be going to a conference? He, oh, sorry. What I was wondering is, do we know what time he supposedly ate the steak? Seven. seven. At seven. So it's possible. I mean, the, the I've, I've had to deal with this in several cases. And, you know, it, with anywhere from, you know, two and a half to four hours, the food you eat is typically completely vacated from your stomach. It's moved on mm-hmm. uh, from the lumen or the stomach. So like if he ate mm-hmm. steak at seven, it's it's not out of the realm of possibilities that at 10, the steak is gone. Is really? that a true thing? I read it, it takes up to eight. Yeah, because the, the forensic guy on the stand too said it took like nine hours for steak to go. Does it get, does it actually, is it two to four hours? Is that for, is that true for, for steak yeah. specific? For any for any food, they would be and, and it, the problem with any I'm using air quotes forensic guys that are you know in any case is yeah. that it, it matters so much. And sometimes they get frustrated because they'll be doing a case and somebody be like, well, yeah, but they were paid by the defense, and it's like, yeah, but they're not. You know, you know, they'll be like, well, Warner Spitz, what does he know? Like he literally wrote the book, uh, but he was because he was paid by the defense. Right. There are certainly very ethical, uh, you know, forensic specialists that will that, that will. That will report the science, and that's it. Yeah, and it and it doesn't matter who's paying the bill. But there are also a lot of them who you know that they're on team prosecution. I mean, we saw it in the Melgar case, you know, with the the blood spatter analyst and the crime scene investigator. You know that they they'll twist and turn. But no, it doesn't matter what it is. That's a, the amount of time it typically takes. And there's a range, like I said, two and a half to four hours um, in a normal healthy adult that it takes food to break down to the point. It's not like it's gone. It's just moved. Out of the stomach into the next into the next um, mm-hmm. set, set of intestines. Certainly, after three or four hours, it would be broken down to the point where it would it would what usually is not identifiable. You know where where they could say that you know there's there's food again. I keep referring back to the Melgar case because we all know it, but in Jamie's stomach and in and uh, Jim's stomach, where they you know that there was there was partially digested food and they couldn't quite identify what was in there. It gives you an idea of how long it takes. But to say that it would still be you know, chunks of steak in your stomach nine out eight nine hours later is is just not correct based on my not medical expert opinion. But the fact that there was okay, so here's the question that's going to come up: If he's eating steak at seven o'clock, is he turning around and cooking himself eggs and peppers at ten? Because there were eggs and peppers in his stomach. So would a three hour, you know, if he finishes meal at seven thirty or so, is he hungry again at ten o'clock and cooking himself some eggs and peppers? To be honest with you, I didn't know that was a thing people did until both his sisters and then I believe it was you, Katie, who said that you are a late night egg cooker. I'm a night egg cooker. Didn't you say in the podcast that you that, that you sometimes cook eggs late at night? It is true. I have been known to do it. And I know my husband does it. Yeah, it is true. But But when you do it late at night, and this is all obviously speculation, anecdotal, but 
the fact like if it was like there's some eggs because I've certainly if I'm hungry and I'm in a hurry. Yeah. Eggs are a big go to for me. It's just like throw some butter in a pan, throw some eggs, whip them up, scramble them and shove them in my face. But I have definitely never when I'm just hungry and cravings and I just want to eat something real quick, diced up tomatoes and peppers and yeah. It, you know, and made a whole omelet. That just doesn't. But again, you know, who knows what this what this guy would do? Again, it seems the weird. victimology. Like, is he on a really, really protein heavy diet that uh-huh. he would want a steak and then three hours later have an omelet? We don't know. The, well, the other thing to me that I wonder is, you know, we say that that Tom has an alibi on Saturday night. Like, how what is his alibi and how strong is it? Really good question. I've watched this yeah. episode a thousand times and I've been trying to figure out they don't say they don't say in the Dateline episode what his actual alibi is. They also don't say what Larry's actual alibi is for Friday night. It's that people right. saw him out and about. Tom's alibi on Saturday is that he was at the hospital because he hurt his back. Right. There falling out of his truck on Friday. Or mm-hmm. killing Brian on Friday. Yeah, that right. was hard. In a struggle. Well, this is this is my whole thing with it is I would love to know, um, you know, I, I've certainly tore apart some alibis that were supposedly ironclad in the past. And mm-hmm. I'd love to know what his alibi actually, because here's the thing. This is something that Jim Clemente has taught me over and over again is he'll say, I don't believe in coincidences. Now, this lead with Larry, there is some things like so he is, you know, so he's supposedly like at a therapist's office and somebody says they overhear him. Yes. Details of the crime scene. Yes. Like to me, that all strikes me as bullshit. Like it's all hearsay. It's secondhand. You know, it, could it be possible? Sure. But they also have there. There's a lot of, you know, people could be influenced a lot. Like if the police were like, well, you talk to him. He seems to, you know, they can get people to re-remember things a little differently. But so. In the little bit of victimology we do have and that we do know about Brian, we know that he has started uh, dating, so to speak, Tom's girlfriend, Anne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tom, he calls the house and, and Tom hears the answering machine message and is really upset. This leads to this big breakup. Tom flips the hell out and he's he's breaking into Anne's house, reading her diary, breaking into Brian's house, the victim. He mm-hmm. is, you know, he's kind of holding Anne captive when he's like Brian, like Tom's lost his mind mm-hmm. you know, over this and is and is threatening and calling and hanging up and throwing a, a brick through his window, uh, through the victim's window. So like this is where I don't believe in coincidences. And when we're looking at victimology, like where is the threat? And it's like ding, 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 ding. Right. Here is the massive threat in a town of 260 people where no one's been killed in decades. And then this guy gets killed and it's like, hmm, probably not him. It might be this other guy that's, it doesn't, you know, the odds yeah. of that happening are so astronomical in my opinion. It's Occam's razor. It's what's the simplest solution. And it exactly. all points to Tom, to me, but he was arrested twice and, yeah. you know, got off. And once. tried and acquitted. So, yeah. And that, that that's the unfortunate part is if Tom did this. Then he'll never be he'll never be prosecuted for it because he was prosecuted for it and he was acquitted and he was acquitted because there was no evidence. There was no evidence because the police cleaned up completely the crime scene, didn't collect any evidence. And then you mentioned in passing Calamity Jane, the uh, the bloodhound that (laughs) she was failed by her handler. I don't feel like it was Calamity's fault. 
We're not. She's no, sweet, we're not placing any doggy. blame on the dog. She's a sweet no, puppy. This is not the dog's fault. Right. She would never pee in the house. By the way, if she was left in there, <laughs> she's doing no. No, she would not. Mm-mm. Good girl. Uh, but yeah. So she. The whole story with that is they. There's uh, uh, Brian, the victim, has his holster to his gun. It's found right. like out in the yard, and they take Calamity Jane, this dog, and and give her one of Tom's hats to catch a scent. We talked about um, scent dogs just a couple of weeks ago on on the show. Uh, and then mm-hmm. she starts smelling that scent and goes running out in the yard all the way out into the weeds where the uh, the holster was, indicating that Tom had been there. And that was like the as, as, as sad as it is, that was like the strongest piece of evidence they had. And then mm-hmm. and then her handler in the in the hearing before trial says, oh, we had certifications and it blew away. And they're like, what? And then, and then, yeah. and like, it was well, on the roof of my car. Blew away. Yeah. And then they're like, well, it's been a year and a half and you and you have to do continuing education training. How about that? And he's like, yeah, uh, I feel no. bad for that guy. He just got like he started a lie and it just got away from it. That's what it is. Like, this things. dog was never certified. It was no, just, no. no and that guy dog, said Calamity he was. Jane, <laughs> she can smell a coon down. At, you know, he's got this, this like living legend. Of yeah. Calamity Jane and then tells the fucking police that she's certified <laughs> as a scent search and rescue dog. I think <laughs> he was ma- bragging uh, about it at the local bar to pick up on chicks. And then the police overheard and said, oh, come with us. Come on. Oh. Like, Shit, this was a lie. This I was can't. all a lie. But I mean, what's also the chances that in a 200 and some, some odd person town, there's happens to be. A registered like <laughs> bloodhound. Like, do you know what I'm saying? What are the right. what are the odds that that's? Can you can Maybe. you imagine him <laughs> on his way to that hearing? Like oh he's God. on his way there, like sweating oh, buckets. You, you think they're gonna ask? You think they're gonna ask for the papers? I'm gonna be God good as long it. as they don't ask about my certification oh. and qualifications for the job. I'll be fine. Can as I say my printer was broken? I'm just gonna say my printer was broken. I'm just gonna say it's out of toner. There was no toner yeah. at any store, so I couldn't print it. Uh, it's not good. Um, oh, 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 wait, wait, really quick. Um, I had. I remember my thought about the steak. There is a chance that the person, the only word that we get that he actually had steak that's then not in the stomach is this one person that saw him at a diner eating a big old Montana steak, is what he says in the trial. Uh-huh. That guy might be full of baloney. That might be right. something that he remembers his friend was eating a steak and has transferred it to remembering that that's what Brian was eating. But And when did they ask Do you it? know what all I'm saying? All this stuff matters. All, we say that all the time. Did, did they yeah. ask three weeks later or did they ask right. the next day? When right. did they ask him? Yeah, to remember and, this. and that's the same thing, even with like the person who, you know, was sitting next to Larry in the therapist office, you know, when did they ask them a year later the after all it got mm-hmm. or yeah, that, that it got around town yeah. for a year that this guy mm-hmm. might be involved when they asked him. I have some outside state- information on that, by the way. So one of the persons that overheard in the therapist office, I'm not sure if this is mentioned in the dateline, is Tom's sister. Oh, yeah, there's a so connection she's between one of the, people the two suspects. It. She worked at the therapist's office, and she is one of the people that overheard. So she, yeah, she isn't. But isn't the sister the one, well, there's the, as you guys call her, the mean New York sister, and then the. No, Tom's sister, not Brian's sister. Sorry, sorry. Tom, oh, oh, the Tom, suspect. Tom, 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 yeah. Tom, 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 There's a connection between the two suspects there. 
Yeah. Yes. Right. So I overheard enough, Larry talking about suspect one's sister, sister. tells police yes. that I heard suspect two saying all this stuff. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. don't think it was Larry. That's that's uh, my my final uh, uh, opinion on the case is that it wasn't Larry. It's too much of a coincidence for it not to have been Tom. And uh, it, it's really unfortunate. Maybe we'll find out if he writes an OJ type book about, you know, how he would have done it. Mm-hmm. Had he done it? Uh, I did do some. I gave it a bing, and uh, he did get divorced from his second wife because he remarried, or he married mm-hmm. after losing the love of his life, Anne, to Brian, who was perhaps tranquilizing her with animal drugs. Oh yeah, that's to why. get her to yeah. You that remember was weird. that one? Yeah. He thought that Anne left him because, because Brian was drugging her with veterinary medicine, very strange, and hypnotizing her. And then Keith says. Because why would she leave you? <laughs> right, right. Um, but he ended up divorcing his second wife, who did accuse him of domestic violence, but then later recanted it. Oh. That's all I could find about him. So We don't know that. He's, he's still around. Well, it, it's a very interesting case. It's a good uh, uh, episode on Dateline. It's an even better episode on A Date with Dateline. That's the podcast. This is Katie and Kimberly. Check out A Date with Dateline. And ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. And I'm definitely going to have you back again for True Crime Binge. Yay! Thank you we so didn't much, We scare Bob. you off too much. Excellent. Thank you for having us. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show is created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes videos of the creation of our Friday follow-up episodes that always include 10 to 30 minutes of pre-show bonus chat. Other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. To become a patron, just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. 
Diamond. I personally can be found on social media at Bob Ruff Truth, and Mike can be found at Merb Gaming. M U R R B G A M I N G. Don't forget that we always have our 24 7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269 224 2833. However, you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Baking pastries at 5 and open at 6. 100th cappuccino by 8, 200th customer by 9, and there's still 12 hours to go. That's why you need a business broadband that works as hard as you do. Introducing Sky Business. With 4G internet backup and our Stay Connected guarantee, that's better business. To find out more, visit skybusiness.com. Sky Fiber only, 30-second 4G activation or one-off credit. New customers, Pro Plus packs only. T's and C's apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.